This is Vitriol Plays, one of the producers of Once Upon a Wasteland and the voice of Odessa Valdez in the show. I'd like to take a moment before we start the episode to let you know about our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash onceuponawasteland. It's a great way to support the show and to get some perks, including behind-the-scenes content, access to our private Discord server, and exclusive merchandise. Now, let's find out what Beth and Odessa are up to in this episode. Thank you for listening. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. This is their story. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 2, Episode 9, Only by a Miracle. Thanks for getting here so quickly. You weren't kidding when you said you were bringing the cavalry. I figured you'd have Paladin Hewitt and Scribe Valdez with you, but seeing Scribe Navia is a surprise. Knight Merriweather is with us as well. I asked him to hang back with reinforcements if we need them but I'd prefer not to escalate unless it's absolutely necessary. Are you both all right? We are, but we thought we were goners. What happened? Scribe Hargrove was working on the console and the portal. I, uh, well, I have no idea what he was doing specifically, but he can fill you in. I was just the muscle. And it's a good thing you were here. At first, I thought I'd done something to trigger the portal arch but I wasn't anywhere near the subsystems that we'd identified as being linked to that part of the process. And then... And then... what? I don't know how else to describe it, Paladin, but... Uh, a monster came through the portal. A monster? Dave, in all the years I've known you, I've never heard you describe anything as a monster. I don't know what other term to use. We've seen, and studied, some incredible creatures over the years. There was always a sort of relatable baseline to work with. Super mutants are mutated humans, more or less. The scorched that you had to deal with are humans affected by a virus, and so on. But this, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Was? Is it gone? No, but it, well, it changed. Go on. When it came through the portal, it was almost like it was made of matter and energy simultaneously, modulating its form and the way it interacted with the environment with every new stimulus. I, well, I, I reacted with surprise and alarm when it first emerged. He screamed. Y yes. I, I'm not proud of it, but I screamed. And when I did, it seemed to use that to acclimate itself to its new surroundings. It started screaming back, and that is when we called you. 
You said that you were under attack. We were. Or, well, at least I thought we were. I'm not so sure now. I drew my weapon, and it reacted to that too, but it didn't take any directly aggressive action toward us. Scribe Hargrove suggested that we leave, lock the door, and wait for you. And hope that it didn't change its mind and, uh, break through the door and eat us or something. That clearly didn't happen, fortunately. But after we did that, things got interesting. Fascinating, even. As Knight Carlson and I were discussing options, it seemed to use that, uh, use us, as input. It, it started to coalesce. Coalesce into what? Something more human. Well, humanoid, at least. More relatable, I suppose. Uh, and a form that, that could more easily interact with its uh, surroundings. Did you make contact? No. We decided that it would be best to wait for you, so we pulled back so we had a little bit of distance until you got here. That was the right call. And it seems to be waiting, too. Waiting for what, though? Where's Devin? He was working his way to the other side of the complex, trying to find other materials related to the project. We've been trying to radio him, but he's out of range. Can you and Knight Merriweather each take a squad to find him and get him back here? Of course, Paladin. I don't want to jinx anything, but this doesn't look like an invasion. Could it be waiting for reinforcements? The way Devon talks about the Untainted implies that even one of them would be more than we could handle. Why wait? I don't know, but we have to assume that it's not because they're feeling generous. I wonder. Is it possible that they scout locations to determine whether they're worth the effort? My feelings aren't going to be hurt if they decide their resources are better allocated elsewhere. I got back as quickly as I could. Is it still in the console room? As far as we know, yes. Given that you're the expert on the Untainted, we wanted to wait until you were with us, assuming that was an option. I hope I didn't make you wait long. Your timing was impeccable. Ah, I wish I'd been here. You're here now, and that's the important thing. Knight Carlson said that the portal arch activated on its own? That's right. It activated, and... Something came through, but it's stayed quiet since. And even though you put some space between it and us, we'd know we've been activated. Even a controlled portal is very difficult to miss. So what do we do? Let's see what we're up against. It knows we're here. It's... Hmm... What is it? It's... hopeful. Almost... earnest. Huh. That's new? How do you know that? I'm an empath. It's my... well, it's my superpower, for lack of a better word. My people each have a preternatural ability, I suppose. It's luck of the draw. I drew empathy. So you can what? Sense emotions? Feelings? That's more or less it. It's a bit more complex and a bit more nuanced than we really have time to get into, but it's close enough for now. I didn't get a chance to discuss this with the other Dovin, but I'd like to try to understand it, if we have time after all this. Of course. <sighs> I'm not sensing aggression. It's calm. 
waiting, but not impatiently. I'm going in. I'm generally very good at sniffing out a ruse, but in case whatever this is has successfully masked one, you need to be prepared to get out of here as quickly as possible and regroup. If anything happens, I'll meet you back at Atlas as soon as I've um, extricated myself from the situation. I'll go in with you. Be careful. I will. I'm ready whenever you are. I'll open the door. Um, uh, keep your weapons holstered. Let's not escalate the situation unnecessarily. But don't be afraid to escalate it necessarily. Yes, ma'am. Immortal. I should have known. As should I. Your sentinels have been hard at work, I see. The heart of fire is already at your side. How many others have they assembled? Fine. Don't tell us. Us? You got a frog in your pocket? I wouldn't expect you to understand. But you don't need to. And Devon? Why do you trifle with such ephemeral creatures? Ah, yes, of course. They are your kin. But you are endless. They end so very easily. That sounds like a threat. An observation. One that you surely know to be true. I can smell your regret. Disgusts me. But fear not. I am not here to end you or anyone else. And as a demonstration of good faith, this room is in a state of great. Death has no purchase here. Derek, that, um, a very large glowing cockroach. Shoot it, please. Um, sure. I'll use my laser pistol so there's no ricochet. One sec. I swear I hit it. Take this. It's the control module. Paladin Hewitt, please bring the rest of the group in here so they're safe. Of course. What is that? You're fortunate that I don't have feelings to hurt. This is a harbinger. Think of them as kind of uh, an advance scout for the untainted. What are you playing at, immortal? Five of the seven, yet the key is not among them. What's going on? Did you sell us out? No! I don't know what he's talking about. I don't even know which one of you is the key. Though, I suppose we've narrowed it down to two possibilities. Why are you so interested in the key from one specific universe? We are prepared to offer you a deal. Ha! A deal! The Untainted don't negotiate. Bring us the key and we will allow you safe passage back to your beloved Nexus. 
this world, this universe, and everything that lives and will live will be spared. Huh. You expect me to stop fighting you as part of this deal? We offer you safe passage, after which you are free to do or not do whatever you wish. And why should I believe that you'd actually spare this universe? I will seal the pathway permanently. This universe will be untethered. <laughs> you don't have the power to open or close pathways. That's why you have to wait for portals to be opened for you before you can invade. You have lived for centuries, and you still have no idea how things work. Perhaps you are not as perceptive as we've given you credit for. Huh. Then help me understand. Did you ever stop to think why we conquer? No. Our home universe passed the point of heat death millennia ago. We watched the stars extinguish one by one. It had to be stopped. But how can you stop a universe from reaching thermodynamic equilibrium? The second law of thermodynamics is incontrovertible. We found that if we bled off entropy into other universes, we could delay what we thought was inevitable. You destroyed universes just so you could save your own? That was not our intent. We thought that we could siphon a relatively small amount to a large number of universes, and the impact would be minimal on a cosmic scale. But I take it you were wrong? No, we were right. But it became a vicious cycle, and we eventually had to transfer so much entropy through each portal that it was an extinction-level event each time. And you didn't stop? No. Our survival is paramount. The other universes and whatever may or may not live in them is not our concern. But we've encountered diminishing returns, and our end seemed to be inevitable. Again. And nothing of value would be lost. We have learned about a... We can't even call it a universe. We're not sure what it is, frankly. Perhaps some sort of antiverse. The point is, we believe we can open a conduit and feed it an unlimited amount of entropy. You wouldn't need to destroy any other universes. No. But we need the key. This key, alongside several others, to open that conduit. And if we refuse? Then we take this universe and continue taking others until we no longer can. The choice is yours. Choose wisely. I will return in two days. We need to discuss options. We can't just give Amanda or Cindy to them. Can't give Amanda or Cindy to who? Amanda! Where have you been? 
Cindy and I were spending some quality time together. We went back to the bar to get ready for the evening rush, and Bone said you guys had, were trying to get a hold of us? Sounded kind of important. It is. Will someone please tell us what's going on? Y'all look like you just saw the boogeyman. The boogeyman would have been better. We just had a visit from something called a harbinger. Well, that sounds ominous. You have no idea. It offered us a deal. Hand over the key, and they'd not only leave us in peace, they'd stop invading and destroying other universes. Ah, shit. You know, I've been wondering what being the key meant ever since Cindy told me it's probably me. It knew that the five of us who were here were part of the Seven, and also that none of us was the key, so... Yeah, it's probably you. Derek is the heart of fire, it seems. Didn't see that one coming. Can we focus, please? We already know the answer. You are not giving yourself up. Can we fight this thing? No. At least, not in my experience. They have to have a weakness, but I haven't found it yet. <sighs> okay. But I'm not going to stop trying. And I'm not going to let them take you. I've already lost so many people. Good people. I'm not losing anymore. Let's get back to Atlas. I have an idea, Paladin. Can I borrow Knight Carlson and a few of your junior scribes? Anything you need. I'll send them over immediately. Just keep us posted. I will. And Amanda. We'll figure this out. You may still end up being the key to stopping the untainted, just not in the way they expect. We'll catch up. There are a few things I'd like to talk through with Devon. I won't be long. All right. I'm not an empath, Devon. You need to tell us what you're thinking. Is this a ruse? <sighs> I didn't sense deception, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. What? Why not? I'm starting to wonder just how super this power really is. Ugh, I, I can read humans pretty easily. Mostly because I've been around enough of them to understand and parse what I feel from them. I have very little direct interaction with the untainted, the harbingers, or any of their other minions. I was only able to pick up on its lack of aggression, because that's usually all I feel from them. But that's something we can work with. If they're usually highly aggressive, but aren't in this case, it means something. Could it be telling the truth? I suppose that's a possibility, but something about this just doesn't add up. For one thing, each universe's champions are, for lack of a better term, keyed to their home universe. Amanda wouldn't be special in another one, or between them, no matter how many of them they assembled. <sighs> okay. We need to figure out what they're really trying to do here, and we need to figure it out fast. And we also need to continue working on a way to close off that pathway ourselves. I've been analyzing the telemetry, but it's been almost totally opaque so far. I need, I don't know, some sort of interdimensional Rosetta Stone to even know what I'm looking at. Knight Carlson has been scouring this entire complex with a team of initiates to find anything we can use. They've come up empty. 
they found nothing like what's in this room. It doesn't make sense that the arch would be the only thing here. I'll keep at it. Even something temporary might be enough. And we'll keep working on things here. Good luck. Mind if I come in? I brought coffee. Thank you. I sure could use a boost right now. You've been at it for a while. Any progress? I think I understand what the crystals do, and even how they work to an extent, but I haven't figured out how to turn that into something we can install in their place. I'm trying out a new algorithm to see if I can tease anything new out of the data. And it's taking forever. You'll get it. I have faith in you. Thanks. Where's Beth? She wanted to check on Amanda and Cindy, and then she needed to talk to our parents about a few things. I hope everything's okay. I'm worried most about Amanda. She has so much happening in her life right now. Having something like this dumped on her? I can't even imagine how difficult this is for her. She has a great support network. That'll help. It will. Cindy's good for her. So are you. I hope so. She's always been there for me. I don't think I'd be who I am now if I didn't have her in my life. Everyone's a lesson. Some are just harder than others. I know what you mean. It's been good to have you around. You've been a positive influence around here. For the longest time, it felt like Layla and I were alone, no matter how many new initiates and junior scribes joined up. Then Danny left, and we felt even more isolated. That must have been hard. It didn't help that I was carrying so much baggage. I assume you're not talking about scientific equipment and supplies. <laughs> well, those were pretty bulky. I am not looking forward to that march back. Even though the trip here was great for my glutes. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. When are you going back? Well, I'm just about done with my report for Elder Maxon. I got a little sidetracked with this portal stuff. And it's not exactly something I can delegate. No, being one of the seven doesn't seem like something that's transferable. It's okay, though. It's nice to feel special. I was just thinking you needed an ego boost. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. Self-confidence has never really been my problem. Short-sightedness, stubbornness, concentrating on ambition instead of appreciating the best things about my life. The important things. Nobody's perfect, Derek. Not even you. I recognized that when we were together. I liked that you had flaws. It was like I was in on a little secret that nobody else was. Everyone thought you could do no wrong. I may not have liked the flaws themselves, necessarily, but knowing you had them made it feel like I was going to marry an actual human, not the idea of one. I never wanted people to look at me that way. Oh, yes, you did. Uh, okay. Okay, maybe a little. Fine. A lot. <laughs> the problem was when I started to believe my own hype. How did my dad put it? Believing in your own press? Yeah, that was it. And he'd know. Living up to being his son must have been difficult. It was one of the first things we figured out we had in common. Helped us bond. Remember? I remember all of it, Derek. 
I guess that's something we still have in common. Everyone's a lesson. I hope I was a good one. You said that as if this lesson's over. I did. I, uh, had a conversation with Layla yesterday. A difficult one. You know how she does that thing where she yells at you but never actually raises her voice? I'm somewhat familiar with that, yes. She... well... I guess she helped me see some things that had been right in front of my face from the moment I got here. Such as? You're really going to make me say it? I'm not going to make you do anything. I think we're past dancing around each other like that. At least I hope we are. You're right. I guess this growing up thing is a process, even when you're in your thirties. I wouldn't know. I still have a couple of weeks left in my twenties. <laughs> I ought to be that young again. Okay, old man. I think you're letting those gray hairs get to you. I can't even blame any of them on you. They all showed up in the past year or two. <laughs> I'm almost disappointed. I think I have a few new ones. Don't worry. But that conversation, difficult as it was, was something I needed. I would have gotten there eventually, but I needed that nudge. Layla is good at nudging. It may have been for a different reason, but even though I didn't want to admit it to myself, I had trouble moving on too. Even after you met Beth? Especially after I met Beth. We both fell pretty hard. It all happened so fast. And then all these doubts started creeping in and weighing on me. I was afraid that the whole thing was too hot not to cool down. Layla waited until exactly the right moment to sit me down and talk me through it. Beth and I still had some things we needed to work through, but those doubts, well, they were a lot lighter after that. Hmm. What is it? She basically told me that I was being an idiot. <laughs> well... I know. I know. She was right. I was being an idiot. So, what are you saying? Well, one thing hasn't changed, and it won't. But I want you to be happy. That's good. What has changed? I know that there's no us anymore, and there never will be. Well, no isn't the right way to put it. I think I knew that from the go. The difference is that I understand it now. But have you accepted it? Yes. I'm not going to tell you that doing that doesn't hurt a little. But it's a necessary hurt. You have to really feel that pain to move on. And it's long past time for me to do that. The worst part about how things ended, and there were a lot of bad things there, was that I never got closure. I didn't even get it when I slapped you, and I've been waiting to do that for years. I could tell. I think my ears are still ringing. I hope it was at least a catharsis. It was. I wish I could say it felt good, but I'll settle for cathartic. Well, I'm glad my face was useful for something other than looking pretty for a change. <laughs> so, how long are you staying in town? I think there are a lot of people who wouldn't mind if you stuck around for a little while. Are you one of those people? I guess I am. Never thought I'd hear myself say that. Well, that makes this a lot more difficult. Why? What's going on? Like I said, I'm nearly finished with my report. 
That's how I convinced Elder Maxon to approve this expedition. And? And once we resolve this portal issue... You sound pretty confident that we're going to be able to do that. You aren't? I believe that we can accomplish anything as long as we do it together. Ugh, that sounded a lot cheesier out loud than it did in my head. <laughs> no, I understand. But this is so far beyond anything I've ever dealt with. Well, it just seems like a hell of a hill to climb. And now one of my best friends is directly in the line of fire. It's a lot of pressure. The Brotherhood always talks big about saving the world, but unless Devon and the Harbinger are lying or exaggerating, we're going to have to save the universe. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It's okay. Once this situation is handled, I'm going home. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that no one from Lost Hills gets in the way of what you're doing here. I think I have enough influence to pull it off. But even if I don't, my parents do. And they'll back my play. If Maxon disagrees, it could end your career. I don't care. It's the right thing to do. That's what's important. But Maxon's pragmatic enough to recognize that the Brotherhood's limited resources are better spent on other initiatives. As long as my report conveys that you're staying true to the Brotherhood principles, you'll sign off. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Derek, when I saw you sitting in Amanda's bar, I... I didn't expect it to go this way. I don't know how I expected it to go, but this wasn't it. In a good way, I hope. In a great way. I feel like like this had to happen now and not two years ago or even one year ago. You showed up at exactly the right moment in time when we both needed closure and we were in a place to give it to each other. Wait. You also showed up at exactly the right moment to join the rest of the Seven. It could be a coincidence. You don't think? The Sentinel said that they nudge things so that they end up where they need to be. So they... nudged us? Maybe they did. But that would mean... no. Let's not overthink it. We'll assume it was a coincidence until proven otherwise. Lily, come in. Hi, Mom. How are you? Fully recovered, I hope? You look lovely. I feel great. Stressed, of course. This is very much an out-of-the-frying-pan, into-the-fire, then somehow into a larger, hotter fire situation, but we're managing. Sometimes managing is all you can do. Is Dad resting? No, he isn't. He is out for a walk. Quite a long one, in fact. That feels like a good sign. I agree. He's invigorated. Happier, more energy, talkative. We went to the spider's web last night for drinks. It was lovely to see Amanda. He's not overexerting himself, is he? He doesn't seem to be, but of course I'm keeping my eye on him. Have you talked to Dr. Fagler about what I learned in the other universe? We did, right away. He took some samples, a bit more blood. He stressed that he's not an oncologist, but he'll do his best to get an answer. You'll tell me the moment he tells you anything. Anything at all? Semper veritas. 
You'll be our first call. I'll keep my fingers crossed. But no matter what, we'll face it together. Hopefully the only thing he and I will need to face is how best to spend the rest of forever together. I'm sure you'll come up with something. It's a pity that we only have one universe to explore. Imagine the trouble we could get ourselves into otherwise. I think you'll find enough, even if you're stuck here for a while. I miss it. The adventures your father and I used to go on together, I mean. You and Odessa have a lifetime of those ahead of you. <sighs> That's what I wanted to talk to you about. What do you mean? You know that I want to spend the rest of my life with Odessa. I do. Does she not feel the same way? She does. And everything that's happened recently has just made us feel even more strongly about that. Yet you're clearly concerned about something. What is it? I... want to ask her to marry me. Oh, I see. But my concern is that we have something wonderful. Singular. I'm concerned... I'm concerned that I'm going to ruin it if I ask. Is this because of what happened with Casey? Yes, at least in part. I misjudged Casey's feelings about our relationship, and that ruined any chance we had of staying together. But beyond that, Odessa has her own marriage-related baggage to deal with, and she's being reminded of that every day. Derek. Yes, and I have to be mindful of that. Now... On balance, it seems though his presence here has helped give her at least some measure of closure. But he's still a reminder of what happened last time she trusted someone enough to make that kind of commitment. Do you think you should wait? That's the maddening part. I don't. I feel that we're on the cusp of the perfect moment in our lives to make this leap. Then perhaps you have your answer. Wait here a moment. something for you. Speaking of perfect moments, I think it's finally time to give you this. It's beautiful. It belonged to your great-grandmother Greta. My mother gave it to me when I left with your father for America. She told me that if I ever had a daughter, I was to give it to her. Your great-grandfather Klaus gave it to Greta when he asked her to marry him. She said yes, of course. So I think it may bring you good luck, if you decide to take that leap. I don't know what to say. Thank you. No matter what, just remember how much you love each other. Whatever happens, that will be the thing that remains constant. It will always be the place you can come back to. You and Dad have always been such a brilliant example of what love should look like. You've always been so devoted to each other. Indeed we have. He's an easy person to be devoted to. I'm sure he'd say the same about you. He'd better. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like that with Odessa too. It's always been easy to love her, even when it wasn't. That probably didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know precisely what you mean. Your father can be maddening sometimes, and again, I'm sure he would say the same about me, but true love, healthy love, transcends that. Would it be okay if I waited for Dad to come back so we can talk about this together? You can tell me all about Klaus and Greta in the meantime.
Odessa, what are you doing up? I could ask you the same. We'd probably give each other the same answer. <laughs> you're probably right. Since you're here, any progress? Not really. Nothing worth mentioning. The problem is that none of our existing analysis tools know what to do with this telemetry. I've tried to write my own, but, well, I don't know what to do with it either. I wish that I had more time to study the research that Odessa had done, but I was too busy trying to navigate through her life without anybody catching on that I wasn't her. That must have been difficult. All the training that Beth and Mr. Kirby gave me helped. I just kept steering people into conversations that would give me enough context clues to at least feel my way through things. But Layla, it was stressful. Especially after Amanda came home. How did you handle that? I'd rather not talk about it. Oh, all right. The important thing is that everything's back to normal now. I may be overstepping and tell me if I am, but you did talk about it with Beth, didn't you? Of course. We don't keep things from each other. Not ever. Well... Well, what? Since I'm here, there is something I think I could use your advice on. Something personal. I've tried to compartmentalize it since we're, you know, trying to save the universe right now. But you haven't been successful. It must be something important. It is. But first... What did you say to Derek? <laughs> I take it he came to see you. He did. He brought coffee and we talked. He was focused. Matter of fact, in a way he hadn't been since he got here. He's been pretty focused and matter of fact when I've dealt with him. <laughs> that hasn't been the case when he's talked to me about us. He's been wistful, but still very clearly felt he could get me back. Until that conversation, at least. Sometimes all it takes is someone you respect to grab you by the shoulders and force you to look at a situation from a few steps back. It sounds like that's the case here. He said you told him he was being an idiot. <laughs> I did not use that word, but I was thinking it. Well, whatever you said, it clearly had an impact on him. I don't want to get too deeply into the particulars, but he did say one thing that I think you might be interested in. I'm listening. His report to Elder Maxon and the Council will recommend that they leave us alone. And he'll highlight not only all the good work that we've done here, but how well we're upholding Brotherhood values and spreading them throughout the region. He'll have to do a bit of creative writing for that last part. You don't think we're upholding Brotherhood values? I wouldn't have kept using the name if I felt that way. My question is whether Elder Maxon would agree that the way we've conducted ourselves fits with his interpretation of those values. Danny certainly didn't think so. I think he was right. Elder Maxon is wrong about what the Brotherhood should stand for. It took some time outside Lost Hills to realize that, but we have the potential to do so much good. And Maxon just wants to sit on everything we find like a dragon sitting on a pile of gold. If Derek can convince him to adopt a hands-off approach, he can sit on whatever he wants, and we can continue to uphold Brotherhood values in the way we feel, the way we know, is right. I think he'll pull it off. And he said his father would back him no matter what, so that's a highly influential member of the Council on our side, too. Well, that's fantastic news. Almost makes me glad I stayed up. Almost. What did you want to talk about? 
In the other universe, when I looked down at my hand and saw a wedding ring, I... I had a rush. I didn't know it was Amanda and I who were married yet, so I assumed Beth and I were. It was a reasonable assumption. It felt natural, right? I started to talk to Beth about it while we were there, but I pulled back a little because there was so much going on and and I didn't want to scare her. You were concerned that she isn't ready for that kind of commitment and your excitement over the possibility might push her away. Exactly. Her last two relationships ended terribly, even though they became friends after they had some time to heal. She asked Casey to marry her, and Casey said no. I know that crushed her. How many years ago was that? (sighs) I see your point. For what it's worth, you two are already as committed as any married couple I've seen. You're two people living one life. Frankly, it's beautiful. I can't get the feeling of other Odessa and other Amanda's life out of my head. I pictured their wedding, their lives so far, everything that was yet to come for them, their kids. That's right. That Amanda and Odessa were trying to start a family. The Navy doctor that was helping me after the swap mentioned that I'd been trying to get pregnant. I didn't know I was married to Amanda, so I immediately started thinking about me and Beth as parents. Derek and I had always planned to have a family. I guess I didn't realize that I want that with Beth, too. How does she feel about children? She's talked about it in the abstract. She certainly likes the idea of having children. Her parents gave her the best possible childhood they could have, and I think she wants to pay that forward, you know? I see. But... Even without that, I want to marry her, Leila. I want to be her wife, and I want her to be mine. I just don't know if that's what she wants. Well, I was never an intelligence officer as such, but I do recall as part of my National Guard training that the most effective way to get an answer is to ask the question. (sighs) You're right, you're right. Thank you for doing this without calling me an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> of all the words no one will ever use to describe Odessa Valdez, I think that one is the least likely. Now I just have to figure out how to do it at the right moment. I've never proposed to anyone or been proposed to, so take this as you will, but don't approach this scientifically. I know you're more used to ultrasight batteries and damaged pit boys. Yes, the human heart is a whole different beast. Good morning, Devin. Good morning. Do you not sleep? I thought I'd be the first one in here today. I do. The residential section of this complex is quite nice. Well, once you get beyond the areas that those mutants destroyed. I have to ask, what's with all the meat? (laughs) It's kind of their thing. Anywhere you find super mutants, you'll find meat. Big bags of stinky meat. Hmm, I'm glad I haven't encountered them anywhere else. There's a lot about this place that's unique. Like what? Well, your technology evolved in a truly fascinating way. You're highly advanced in some areas, but fusion power, artificial intelligence, robotics... 
but some other areas look like something straight out of the 1950s. It's a nice aesthetic. I don't really have anything to compare it to, but I've always appreciated that the people who design things tended to care about that aspect of it. Are there a lot of evil corporations like Vault-Tec? Oh yes. That's one thing that's sadly very common. The specific ways that they're evil can vary, of course. Well, there are rumors that Vault-Tec were the ones who started the Great War. Really? I've been to places that were practically... corporate bordellos. And even those corporations didn't start nuclear wars. To what end? I don't know. It never made sense to me. It's awfully hard to make money when billions of people are dead and the society has mostly collapsed. I've been around a long time, but I still sometimes struggle to understand why people do what they do. Corporations aren't people, of course, but they're still run by people. I assume your corporations were run by people and not AIs. That's right. The closest thing we have to that is probably Modus. But the Enclave isn't a corporation, and he doesn't run it as such. The uh, military organization that Lieutenant Connors is part of? Yes, they're an offshoot of the old U.S. government, but everyone there now is new. Hell, the person in charge is Beth Sage. If my experience is any indicator, I'd rather have someone Beth Sage running things than someone my age. Come on, you're what, 40, maybe 45? I'm a little older than I look. I'll take your word for it. At any rate, the personnel may have changed, but the Enclave is just as shadowy and untrustworthy as they were prior to the war. I see. Well, shadowy government organizations are also, sadly, common. Shall we get to work? Yes, let's do that. I have some additional analysis to go over with you. It's not much, but given your experience, maybe something will be clear to you that wasn't to us. That wasn't me. Is the Harbinger coming back early? Possibly. I just hope the Untainted didn't decide to just invade rather than expecting us to hand over Amanda. We can't fight them. Believe me, I've tried. Is this room still safe? As far as I know, yes, but I wouldn't put it past them to put some sort of fail-safe or kill-switch in place in case they change their minds. Something's happening! What the hell are those things? Dreadwings! Quickly, shut the door so they don't get into the rest of the complex! There! Now they can't get out. Of course, neither can we. Uh, I'll, I'll try to take one out. I'm not exactly a crack shot, but... State of grace, remember? But the good news is, they can't hurt us, either. What do we do? Wait it out. They have a very limited lifespan when they enter a specific universe. The Untainted use them for quick-strike tactical operations. Okay, maybe they figured nobody would be here this early and they could wreak some havoc in the main complex. Maybe. The console! They're going after the console! Of course. They know they can't hurt us, but they can sabotage the only tool we have to close off the portal for good. We need to protect it. I have a plasma cutter. I just have a, uh, 
lead pipe. But that'll have to do. There are too many of them. Just, just a little bit longer. Some of them are already starting to drop. It looks like they're concentrating on the left side. They must be trying to get inside the access panel. You're right. Protect that panel. We should move the console out of the room and lock it down. Keep the door closed and barred and only come in when we absolutely have to. Don't get ahead of yourself. We're almost there. Oh, damn it. They burrowed in from the opposite side. Those damn things are a lot more clever than they look. Oh, I should have known it was a feint. Let's see what they did. And the answer is... a lot. I think this is... fixable. It might take a little while, but I'll bring Odessa and Jess in. Oh no. What? The crystals. It looks like there was an overload of some kind. They appear damaged. Oh, let me have a look. You're right. They're fried. And that's the one replacement part we don't have. Jess! God, you scared the dickens out of me. Oh, I'm sorry. What happened in here? What are those things? Dreadwings. Annoying little creatures that can do a lot more damage than their size would suggest. Are you two all right? We are. Thank you. We need to get back to Fort Atlas to brief Paladin Romani right away. But first, we'll need your help to disconnect the console and move it out of this room. I'm happy to help it any way I can. Before we get started, though, can I show you something? What is it? Knight Carlson asked me to come here early to search the areas of the complex he'd already been through. He's frustrated. Feels like he must have missed something. You can get back to that after we regroup at Fort Atlas. I'm sure Greg will understand. Let me finish. I came here early so I'd finish up in time to help Scribe Valdez with her analysis. I followed the same route Knight Carlson did, to be sure I didn't miss anything. Go on. I walked into the first room and it was different. Different how? It will be easier if I show you, but that's not the important part. Come with me. I thought it might be important. So I put it on a cart and brought it here to show you. Is that? It's a console. An original console. Disassembled, but it looks intact. I don't know how he missed it. And I don't know why he didn't even mention that room. I've never seen anything like it. We can stop on our way out. We won't be able to see it. We'd see what Knight Carlson saw. Nothing. What do you mean? The room must have had a perception filter on it. Even I wouldn't have seen through it. Only someone very special can. You. Me? What's so special about me? Uh, we all have things hiding deep inside us that we don't know are there until we need it. This is one of yours. I strongly suspect there are others, but this one may have just saved the day. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 2, Episode 9. 
only by a miracle, was produced and directed by Brad Williams and written by D.K. Trueno. Starring Letitia Lemon as Elizabeth Kirby, Vitriol Plays as Odessa Valdez, and Lucy Middleton as Amanda Otis. Also starring W. Keith Timms as Devin McKnight, Addison Mosby as Derek Hewitt, Summer Rose as Jessica Navia, Pandora Beatrix as Paladin Leila Ramani, Kirsty Harrison as Elise Kirby, and Benjamin Campbell as Knight Gregory Carlson. Featuring Josh Smith as Scribe David Hargrove, and Benjamin Johnson as The Harbinger. And I'm your narrator, Ashley Secon. Please join us for our next episode and season finale. Season 2, Episode 10, We Cannot Know What Lies Ahead. What happens when 20-something Madison is zapped into old-time radio shows? The last thing I remember was working on my makeup blog. No technology. Your technology is so old, the only thing I recognize on my desk are the pens. No Starbucks. I haven't had a mocha latte in months. And no one is PC. You don't think a woman could cloud men's minds? You think men's minds are all that complicated? It's mostly just beer and video games in there. Madison on the Air serves to highlight the way we were and the way we are today with original radio drama scripts adapted to include the modern-day Madison as she joins famous characters from radio's past. Saint. Simon. Whatever. Madison Standish. Give me that phone. Johnny Dollar. My partner's Madison Standish. Hi. My name's Friday. Kato! This is the Green Hornet. Really digging Dracula's OG goth style. What if I killed freaking Sherlock Holmes? And many more. Visit us on the web at madisonontheair.com. Or find us pretty much any place podcasts can be found. I'm Brad Williams, the creator of Once Upon a Wasteland. We'd like to thank you for joining us for the ninth episode of our second season. And we hope that you'll continue to join us as we follow Beth and Odessa's journey toward Happily Ever After. For more information on our show, visit our website, onceuponawasteland.com, where you'll find show information, scripts for each episode, artwork, and more. You can also find us on Twitter at onceupon76pod. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review. And we hope you'll subscribe as well. And please, tell your friends. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us directly on Twitter or via email at brad at onceuponawasteland.com. Thank you. Well, hello there, Appalachia. This is Trader Red coming to you from top of the world. Good old Rose was kind enough to let us in. Just cost a heap ton of chems. Hey, I heard that. Sorry, darling. Anyway, is your raider gang looking for a little extra firepower? Guns, knives, nukes? Maybe you need a little pick-me-up. Chems, booze, or a bit of shine? Want to pick up a bit of tech to show off to Scribe Valdez? Or did Ward send you off to find his lost osmosis kits again? You can find anything you want at Trader Red's Emporium and Wasteland Oddities. Open to one and all, raiders, cultists, sellers, those stuffed shirts at the White Spring. If the caps are there, we don't care. So darling, if y'all are interested in more, come find old Trader Red on this thing we call a podcast. 
The Modus Files, a fallout audio drama podcast dedicated to telling the story of post-Reclamation Day Appalachia. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Are you done yet? Don't let me sick little spike on you. Hey, hey, we had a deal. Raiders rule! Ow, ow, okay, okay, dang it, Rose. Keep that darn robotic varmint away from me.